Hello, I'm Lakita and welcome to the Co-Create Work podcast, where my partner Chloe and I talk about building and co-creating the future of work. We hope this podcast will be your weekly dose of support on all things work, leadership and personal development as it relates to creating culture for you and your team. Because one of our principles is to be a guy, we look forward to providing space for our shared learning and exploration while trusting your personal experiences. After all, this is what co-creation is all about. So let's co-create together. Hello, co-creators. Welcome back. And we are here at episode eight, where we are going to talk about hiring the right team part two. And I am super excited. I've been telling Chloe pre-recording because we're basically going to do a versus for this episode. Yes. And what that means is we're going to compare two different ways of doing something and talk about which way is the best way when it comes to hiring the right team. So with that, let's jump right in. Let's do it. Okay, so we are going to start with branding and attraction versus overselling, not being really clear about the organization or the role. And I'm guessing just by how I said that, you know which one we're going to lean towards, (laughs) which is that branding and attraction. But let's start with what does this overselling look like? What do we see when we talk to companies, Lakita, and they are telling us about their hiring practices? Yeah. So a lot of times we see it as they don't have a diverse company, but they are putting forth the only people of color at their organization in their brand and photos or their job descriptions aren't really telling the details of the work that people will be doing. They won't list how much individuals will be making with the role, which should be common practice now. Um, So just like ambiguity or saying like, hey, we work hard and we play hard, but play the re- <laughs> but the reality <laughs> is this all work hard and no play hard, right? Like, so yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of times, Chloe, actually, they can't really verbalize that that's what they're doing, but it's what we see in their actions and kind of have to highlight. Folks, you really just need to be really clear about what the environment and the role is like and any benefits that you list on a job description need to be actual real things that people can access easily to leveraging use. It's important here that in most cases, when we see this, people aren't being malicious in this. They're not trying to not be truthful. It's just they're not necessarily really focused on what is our brand? What do we actually deliver for our employees? Like what's that experience actually like? Yeah, I totally agree. Chloe, I would love for you to talk about when we say branding and attraction, what do we mean and highlight the role of principles in that? Yes. So when we're talking about branding and attraction and thinking through the role of principles, it's what does your organization stand for? How do you operate? How do you show up? What's the experience like for someone working at your organization? What's the experience like for 
someone who is a customer or a client of your organization. And when it comes to those principles, and this is why principles are so important, what is your company grounded in? How do you show up in the world? What are you committed to? And that's what you want to put forward for folks for them to be able to see, which includes also just being honest about what it's like to work at the company. Yeah. So what Chloe just outlined is like when we say those principles, we mean list those principles on the job description and put them up close and personal. And we also say like on your LinkedIn, on your website, share the experiences of like what it's like to work there beyond when you're recruiting, right? On your company page, what are you talking about? Are your employees sharing their current experiences working there? If you are a large enough organization, I think now it's probably about 10 plus employees. What does it say on Glassdoor? Do you have a presence there? Really thinking about attracting folks to the business and the company via marketing, uh, because that's what it's about. We just want you to market what's actually happening. Yeah. (laughs) But beyond that, making sure that you have that as a part of your practice. So Lakita, with branding and attraction versus that overselling, my brain frequently goes to dating, Mm -hmm. probably because I spent a lot of my adult life in that space. When you go to work for an organization, it is a relationship. And so as you're thinking about who you want to attract, do you want to attract someone who has been sold something that's not totally true? Or do you want to attract someone who has been sold exactly what you offer as an employer, and they know what they're joining, and they are excited about what they're joining, and you're excited about having them join because you know that everyone's on the same page. Yeah. That you've got a clear understanding of like, this is our brand. This is the type of folks we want to attract both as employees and as customers. And we're really clear on that. And what we put out there is what's actually happening. Yes, absolutely. All of that. This idea of relationship and being in partnership in the employee-employer relationship is one that's so important to highlight because there's been a ton of pushback. People who you work with aren't your family. No, they're not, they're not your, your family, family, but they are but they are your partners yes. and you are in relationship. And so for us, we're always talking about what does it mean to create more human-centered organizations? And so that means that we have to be in relationship with each other. So in order to be in a healthy relationship, as Chloe highlighted, you have to be honest about what it is like to be in relationship with me and And then hopefully we can build towards even greater together in our partnership and put the information out there, right? Yes. You have a badass company that is doing amazing things and it's a joy to work at. Then let's not be afraid to say that because you may fall short in one area. Yes. Get out there talk about it, share what that experience is like, and attract people to work with you who are wanting to be a part of that experience. Yes. And not everyone has to offer the same things, right? Like you want to be clear about what you're offering and attract the people who are going to be excited about that. That's right. Awesome. Okay. Lakita, what's our next one? Okay, so next we're going to talk about having a system for hiring versus 
one-off or ad hoc or fly by the seat of your pants higher <laughs> end. So one thing that we talk about all the time is that it's so important to have a system. And once you have one system in place, it's easier to put more systems in place. So we are coming down on this one on site system for hiring. We want to encourage you to sit down no matter how basic it is and just map out a simple five to seven step process for hiring within your organization. And that includes everything from branding and attraction, which we just talked about through onboarding. So write out that system, the specific steps that you're going to take for that system and implement that with your team and put it in place versus, hey, I'm coming in and now I need to hire and I've waited a little bit longer than I needed to. And so now I'm trying to see if there's someone, you know, who could just jump in and fill in a spot. This is one of the most important things you will do in your company. So we really are advocating for you to sit down and write a system out. You are going to get better results from having a system than you are in just doing it by flying by the seat of your pants. Yes. And if you have that system ready and built, then when you do feel that need to hire, which should be before, it's critical, right? You're anticipating that need. You have that system in place so you can just kick it into gear. The branding you've already been doing because it's part of the system that's already there. You know how you're going to go out and find people, attract people. You are thinking through how you're going to interview them, what that process is going to be like. So all of those system pieces in place, ready to go. Totally. We want to make one note here too, Chloe, because some people will hear what you just said and say, I'm not ready. (laughs) Yes. Chloe said I had to have the steps. I'm not ready. So what we're going to say to you, right, is progress over perfection. Yes. So do not go and not take the steps that you need to add people to your team because you feel like you don't have a 10-page process. It doesn't take a 10-page process. No. It takes some clear steps, five to seven clear steps for hiring and walking through those. And it includes things like asking great questions. What is the rubric you're going to use to assess folks? What is your onboarding process going to be like and all that good stuff. So progress over perfection, get started, bring more people into your team, but definitely have a system. Yes. All right. Okay. (laughs) Chloe, what's next? Yes, the next one is hiring people you know versus hiring people you need. Ooh. Yeah, and this one, especially when you are starting a business, when you are small, if you haven't had that system in place, right, and you haven't been thinking about this in advance and you get to that point of urgency, it can be really easy to reach for people that you know. You've worked with them before. You have some level of experience with them, et cetera. And this doesn't mean hiring people you need versus people you know. It doesn't mean that you will never hire people you know by any means. That's right. But it needs to be that they are also the people you need. And so going back to that system versus ad hoc, the system can really help you when it comes to the process. Branding and attraction, the type of people you want to attract, that can help you identify, is this person that I know? Can they also be the person that I need? 
So as you're thinking about the people you know versus the people you need, being really clear on what you need, and then if it is a person you know, great, that is okay. But if you're not really clear on what you need, it can be really easy to default to someone you know. You've worked with them before. You're comfortable with them. You're excited to bring them on. And if you haven't spent the time to think through, what do I need in these hires, that's where we can end up hiring people who aren't the right people for the role. We may enjoy working with them because we've worked with them before and that's fun (laughs) and great. And it's not going to get you where you need if you haven't done that kind of evaluation of what do I need. The other challenge with that is as you're thinking about people you know, are these people you can give feedback to, manage, feel comfortable with in the business environment? Can you do the things you need to do to run a business? Yes, I'm over here just like (laughs) clapping and moving because you're preaching today. And so when you're going to start, it can be a challenge, right, to get folks to buy into your mission, your leadership, but the investment in doing that and understanding, okay, I may have to get strangers who I haven't worked with for this role, or I may have to hold people accountable who I know within the context of this role. How do I get prepared to do that? And how do I set that expectation up front? Because we see a lot of organizations start off hiring people they know, not necessarily the people they need. And it can be extremely disruptive as the company is growing, as the business unit is growing, as we decide to pivot and do something different. So you're always assessing for what is the role now and then what is what we're building towards for the future. What are we creating versus what we might create? What is my leadership like? What is my relationship like with this individual, as Chloe highlighted, to make sure that you have really focused in on what you need? We typically say, even if it is someone you know, and you're like, I worked with them in the past, and yes, Lakita and Chloe, I feel like they're a person for the future you still need to interview them. Walk them through that interview process because that is about expectations. It's about clarity. It's about understanding their style in this different way. So we are really preaching with you for you to you today (laughs) to ask you to really do this process. Yes. And with that understanding expectations, two things are great about that when it comes to the interview process. One is you're outlining the expectations of the role. The other one is through the process of interviewing and having that be formal, you are setting a very clear boundary and expectation that this is a professional work relationship environment. You may know them in different ways, but you're setting that expectation by having them go through the interview process. It's very clear. This is a job and I'm hiring you to do a job. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Okay. So up next, we have culture ad versus culture fit. I love this so much. (laughs) And we know that there has been so much conversation articles and books written about how culture fit is so important. And so what we want to encourage you to think about is culture ad over culture fit. So I first heard the term culture ad from Danielle Leslie, who is a thought leader and course creator. 
extraordinaire. And she talked about how we should begin to embrace this idea of culture add. What can an individual add to the discourse, to the conversation. And so we're applying that here as you think about roles. So typically you hear, okay, does this person quote fit within my organization? Do they do the same things we do? Do they talk the same way we talk? All of those things. And it was a lot of bias couched within that. So we would see that really apply that large organizations where they were doing things like assessing folks based on what college they went to, what type of degree they had, what region they grew up in, which basically wasn't about culture fit. It was about assimilation, right? Yes. And so what we're saying is culture adds. So first you have your principles and your principles say, here is the way that we interact with individuals, our clients, our partners, us together as a team in the world. You want to understand, can that person work within the context of those principles? So if we are saying that we are going to act with integrity, very clearly, what does integrity mean to you, right? And have you uh, written that out in a full principle? And that is what you are thinking about. In addition to that, you want to say, besides the principles and the skills that this person has to meet the role, what do they add to our culture? Like, what are some of the cool things that they bring, their different perspectives, their different life experiences that'll make us a better organization versus are they like me or do they like the same things I like? You aren't going to have anywhere near as much innovation as much growth, as much connection with your clients and other partners with culture fit as you will if you focus on culture ad. Yes. And I've heard in so many interview debriefs over the course of my career, they didn't seem like a good culture fit. That comes up so often. And to your point, Lakita, there's a lot of bias in that because it's not actually pointing to any behaviors and how those behaviors might be in contrast with your principles, which that's a different conversation, right? If you interview someone and you see some things that are in contrast to your principles, that's different versus culture fit, which is wanting people to assimilate generally. Even if people aren't thinking that, that's the underlying message is we want these folks to assimilate versus culture add, which to your point is very much about what does this person bring to our culture? What additional resources, lived experience, background, all of those things that help to create a diverse and inclusive organization and give you that added bonus, right? So that you have a team that has even more experience, more breadth, all of those things. Yes, I love it. And I just encourage people to think deeply about this. And one of the ways that you can know a bit, if you have been taking on some of these culture fit behaviors, is if you aren't keeping a rubric for your hiring process, what were you making decisions based on and just reflecting on that? And a lot of times you'll see it was like, this person liked to do the same things I like to do. They worked at a company that I worked at. Yeah. So just remembering that and keeping that in mind. Okay. For this next one, hiring for now versus hiring for the future. All right. So if we think about 
hiring for now, then you might say, okay, my goal is that I need a project manager for the organization that is going to help us get aligned, uh, work well with our clients. But we also want to say, yes, you might have those needs now, but where are you going and where is the organization growing towards? So as you think about a role, no, you're not going to change the role on the person, right? The project manager might not be a person who turns into a program manager, but we are encouraging you to take a long view. So that helps you also organize in which order you hire for different things. So if you're taking a long-term view, you're going to say, hey, I might prioritize an operations role right now versus prioritizing something like a marketing person right now. Because we're thinking, what is the foundational things that we need to build for the business to help us run most effectively? What's the new product we're launching and how do we ensure that that run smoothly. So we're going to hire a program manager versus just someone to meet a need that I have today. So in order to do this process really effectively, uh, we might have talked in the past, Chloe, I can't remember about quarterly planning or or planning for the year. So understand what your plans are for the next quarter and for the next year, and then take a look at what the immediate needs are versus what the long-term needs are and then prioritize the different roles based on those needs. So we're always going to encourage you to be future thinking and future focused and make sure that you have a strong foundation for each of the roles that you're building on top of. Perfect. So Chloe, let's talk about fixed culture versus learning culture. Yes. So as you are thinking about the culture of your organization and hiring, it's really important to focus in on this creating a learning culture. So that's where we're leaning towards is you want to have a learning culture versus a fixed culture. Lakita, do you want to describe what a learning culture looks like? Yeah. So for me, when I'm thinking about learning culture, it is first, do we have a principle or value around growth mindset, right? That we're an organization where everything isn't black and white, that we are willing to do a deeper dive, learn more, adjust as we go along, have some adaptability and ability to deal with ambiguity as well. And then do we make space and create products and services where our team can continue their growth and their learning. And that includes me as a leader. So a learning organization is about a structure for learning and development and having a growth mindset. Yes. And that growth mindset is so critical, especially for you as a leader of an organization to understand that you will learn and grow and develop and you will make mistakes and or you will learn new things and realize, oh, I want to do this differently now. And that needs to be true for the folks at your organization as well, that you put a structure in place where everyone has that opportunity to learn and grow and develop. And it's not, no, I can't do this. It's I can't do this yet, right? If someone's learning something that you have that mindset of I can grow, I can develop, I can learn. 
Yeah, absolutely. We hear so much about how valuable maybe cynicism is. And I always push back on that because for me, a lot of times cynicism highlights a fixed mindset and it can create a culture of we are constantly saying no, but versus yes, and and And. figuring out processes and and ways of working and being as a company um, where we go beyond that. So I feel like cynicism is a, a little bit overrated, healthy debate, challenging each other, pushing back. That's not cynicism, right? Cynicism is like a none of this will work. And I just have a critical yes. view for everything is my initial posture. So what we're saying is creating an organization where learning is a focus and growth is a focus. And we are willing to take risks and steps to see what might happen and what might be possible. And we're willing to learn from there. And I want to highlight This is so important when you are thinking about hiring the right team, because if we have this fixed culture mindset, we can miss out on so many great folks who we could add to the team who are going to be culture add because we're in too much of a fixed mindset, a fixed culture idea around like what's going to be successful, what's going to work well versus having that growth mindset of, oh, what can this person bring that's different, that's better, that's going to challenge me to think differently and do things differently. And it makes such an impact when you have that mindset in the hiring process. Yeah, Chloe, too, to add to what you're saying, like, it's not easy, and you need to be prepared, right? And so you likely didn't launch into entrepreneurship for comfort or launch into (laughs) your leadership for comfort, but for growth and for impact. And so having that Uh, learning approach, growth mindset, it's only going to continue to be beneficial for you within the context of business. Yes. Okay. And Lakita, we are at our last verse. Our last verses. And it is abundant mindset versus scarcity mindset. And so we talk about this so much, actually within the context of hiring, maybe more than anywhere else. And the scarcity mindset is pervasive, right? We hear so much about things like there's no good people out there. People don't want to work anymore. No one is going to care about this business as much as I care about the company. And those are huge limiting beliefs that actually have you stuck and don't allow you to actually get out there and attract great people to work with who are fully invested and ready to be in partnership with you. So we are totally ones that push back on a scarcity mindset, regardless of if you're starting with someone who will be part-time with the goal of having roles where folks go full-time or you're starting off remote uh, or you're starting off in person, right? People will look at each of those things and have a limiting belief because of any of those. So that then limits who you're going to attract and bring into your company. It invades your language when you're interviewing. It has an impact on the decisions that you make. You might say, oh, this person is really growth oriented. 
I'm not sure if they're going to stay. So then you have a, a scarcity mindset and you pass on someone who is really great. And so we want to encourage you to have an abundance mindset. You know, the conversation that there's no good people out there is a myth. And abundance yes. mindset says there are a million amazing people out there. And there are people who want to be in partnership with me, with our clients. They want to have impact and I'm going to create that sort of space for them. I am going to be the type of leader who can attract the right people who are ready and excited. Already, when you reframe your language that way, your actions, the decisions you make, the behaviors you have when you interview are going to be totally different. We have seen people make decisions to not grow their business, even though they wanted to, because they had a scarcity mindset about identifying good people. We have seen folks let one situation or a challenging situation with an employee have them take actions that they no longer wanted to hire or they no longer wanted to bring employees on full-time as part of their team. And what we want to encourage you to do is to think big here and really have an abundance mindset, meaning Culture isn't a static thing, right? That we have to grow and learn and go and your leadership isn't static either. So will you have some bumps where two people in a relationship, you're going to have challenges, but does that mean no, we shouldn't hire or no, I don't want to work through those sort of challenges? No, right? So really taking an abundance mindset. And Chloe, I'll add one more thing here, which is there has been so many conversations recently about, hey, just hire people if they don't work at the first sign, just like let them go. And that is not abundance, right? That is actually scarcity. And we see this with companies and organizations where their work is supposed to be centered around abundance. So that means that you have to believe that people can learn and grow. Of course, I'm not saying if someone isn't trying or if they're not connected, right, they might not be the right fit. But conversations that I see on Instagram, LinkedIn, someone makes a mistake and it's like they're not working for our company or people just don't want to work anymore. Reject that because it actually does not help you in your leadership or in your business. Yes, Chloe, I will be quiet because I feel like I went into (laughs) preaching a little bit right there. I Uh, love the preaching. (laughs) But yeah, so abundance mindset over scarcity mindset all day, every day. Yes. And I will add just this little push because the other thing, the flip side that I've seen on this abundance versus scarcity is when you need someone desperately because you've maybe waited too long to hire Mm. and you think, oh, well, this person is fine, right? Yes. And you have that mindset of like, there's not more people out there. I can't wait. And so you hire too quickly. So there's both sides of it. And you want to make sure you just land in that right spot of abundance mindset. You don't want to pass on someone who would be a good fit. And you also don't want to hire someone who wouldn't be because of the scarcity mindset. And it can impact you in both of those ways. Yeah, I totally agree. Ooh, this was such a fun episode to record, Chloe. As always, we're always thinking about what next steps you might take. So Chloe, where should people go from this conversation? So what we want you to do is take some time to rate where you are with these different verses. 
we'll have these in our show notes, but also branding and attraction versus saying things that maybe aren't true. System for hiring versus one-off ad hoc hiring. Hiring people you need versus hiring people you know. Culture ad versus culture fit. Hiring for now versus hiring (laughs) for the future. Fixed culture versus learning culture. And finally, abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. So you want to rate yourself on these and then pick two to three to start working on, to start putting some different practices in place, start evaluating, figure out what you need to do to shift in the direction that you want to go so that you can get those ratings up on those different aspects. We love it. And we would love to hear more from you about how this episode impacted you and your decisions around hiring. And as always, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for tuning in. For any resources referenced during today's episode, you can find that information in our show notes at cocreatework.com slash podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram at cocreatework. If you have any questions about this week's episode or transforming the future of work, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at cocreatework.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Co-Create Work podcast on your favorite platform.